0: It's the DK Steelers Podcast with your host Chris Carter here. No Dale Lolly. He's out in New Jersey, New York. I'm not sure where they're staying, but he's going to the Giants game, so he's there. That's why he's not on the show right now, so you understand why he's on the show. But... I'm here to break it down for you. we got an exciting show because I'm going to get you ready for tonight's game. The Steelers play the Giants 7-0-5 tonight. It's going to be wonderful. We're, we're so excited. This, this is what we're waiting for. This is what we're waiting for. This happens every year. Like I, You know, you, you get done with the season. You get into the draft. You get through the draft. Normally we had some rookie and mini camps. We didn't have that this year. In you know, Training camp. Then you had preseason. We didn't have preseason. And then eventually, it's like, okay, come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And then on years like this year, they they they, they give the Steelers a, a Monday night football game, and you're like, ah, oh, a whole extra day. And then it's really a day and a half because you know uh, Sunday games they started at one, and now you're starting at seven. That's like, like, come on, just get to it. You want to see the game. You want to see Ben. You want to see all the things. Jeez. And here we are. It's finally here. So. Oh, got all that out my system, but I'm excited. I get to evaluate some Steelers football. It's the first time I'm gonna see the Steelers, guys. I haven't been to training camp yet. I'm losing my mind over here, so I'm excited. I know you're excited. We're gonna preview the whole game. You're gonna get my top matchups of the game, breakdowns, everything in the second segment. But first, recapping yesterday, Sunday football, and the first NFL Sunday of the season. Um, you know, Dale and I we uh you know we made, we made our picks and apparently we're going to tie because uh our t- our only two differences on the day were I picked the Seahawks and he picked the Falcons, the Seahawks won and then um I picked the Cowboys he picked the Rams and the Rams won so um so we're even through week 1 we'll talk about that with him when he gets back uh but uh the reason the big thing I wanted to talk about we're going to talk about the AFC North games um. First, the Bengals losing on a field goal. You know, Dale said that that, that game was going to be close. Um, he he said you know you could expect it, that to be a little bit closer than, than 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 I thought it would be. I thought the I thought the Chargers were going to create a lot more pressure on Joe Burrow. Um, he kind he stood in there, he made some decent throws, but ultimately you know he never had a, he didn't throw a touchdown. He had to run on a quarterback draw, and that was the touchdown. Um, but yeah, the 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 Chargers looked like they were. Uh, Gonna have they're like they're gonna have a rough year if they don't improve from there. But again, weird year. We'll see how how everyone grows. Um. But uh, but yeah. So, uh, so like, that game happened. They they the Bengals lost on a field goal. I honestly, you know, they they, they had a field goal lined up, and it was a chip shot. It was like a thirty-one yard kick, and he just missed it. Um. But I mean, I'm not too surprised about that. I'm not surprised about either result. But the funnier result is definitely how bad the Browns got smacked around. They got beaten like they were kindergartners in Kmart. I mean,
1: dang!
0: Like, it was just... It was just it was like the Ravens just came out and just laid the whooping on him. And the, the Browns like scored one time. And then after that, it, like, it was just over. And then you just kept seeing sad pictures or sad shots of you know, Baker, ba- Baker Mayfield just in his stupid bandana or whatever he had on his head and just like looking. And he was like, man, he was just had his helmet on and he had his helmet off. And he was just like, right, we can't do nothing with these dudes. Um, it was exactly what I thought was going to happen. The Ravens were going to utterly destroy these guys. Lamar Jackson, Played very well through three touchdowns, Um, and and when it was time to dissect him with his arm, he dissected him with his arm. He ran when he had to. Um, He didn't have to run too much. He only ran for 45 yards in this game. Um, J.K. Dobbins, uh, he didn't have a whole lot lot in the yards department, only like 22 yards, but he had two touchdown runs, Um, so he was getting acclimated. Um, Hollywood Brown led the team in receiving, Uh, so some actual receivers making plays out there and not tight ends so there's something to say about that I mean the Ravens but the, the thing is that the Ravens just did what they wanted to do to the, to the Browns it was just ugh. I mean it was just like, at one point it was just really bad Baker Mayfield throws an interception on his first drive ever um, apparently I got featured in the ESPN article for that which I just apparently they, they just like put together a clipping uh, an article of uh, um, people talking about uh, people on the media talking about how bad the Browns were <laughs> because um, there was at one point where they had a fourth and 41 and it's just like how comical is it that they're the browns and like how many times how many times are we gonna sit here and hear like, oh this is good this year's gonna be different the, this year the browns are gonna do something they're 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 coming for you they believe in themselves and all this stuff. And they say this all the time i have to hear it from every before every season and i'm just like okay just like, and then it happens. They lose. They get their butts handed to them, and that's what happened. I mean, Baltimore. I think it was thirty-eight to six. Um, I did a little. I did a little recap article. It's uh, it's on DKPittsburghSports.com. You can check that out. But it was just, it was just disrespectful <laughs> the way the Ravens were just doing whatever they wanted. Um, defensively, they were running with their receivers. Odell Beckham was targeted ten times. Only had three catches for twenty-two yards. I mean, just just uh, just horrible. I mean, you know, you look at him. Jarvis Landry didn't do nothing. Nick Chubb tried to do something. He he was he got him and Kareem Hunt was getting the the offense going early on, um, and that, that's when I thought like, oh, maybe the Browns got a chance here. But then they kept messing things up. They called a fake punt. Kevin Stefanski called a fake punt with the punter, and then and then he you know, he he's running with it, and then he it, he fumbles. It doesn't even work. Like it's just it's just more of the same. This is what I keep saying about the Browns. Like. People keep saying, "Oh, they get they they've amassed some superstars. They went and got this guy. I mean, over the past few years, they went and got Otto Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. They, you know, they had the first overall pick. You know, multiple times their quarterbacks a the first overall pick. Their 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 top edge rushers are first overall pick. They've got high picks at the tight end position, offensive line, uh, cornerback. You know, they've they've just been lining up people on people on people, and um." Uh, and I'm sitting, I, I, and I'm, but, I'm just, but I'm just like, it doesn't matter who they get. It doesn't matter if you keep bringing all these these big names to the team. If, you're, if your team doesn't have a good foundation to work from, they're going to stink. And if they get hot for a year, they're eventually they're going to fall apart really quickly, a.k.a. the Jaguars. And here they are, getting their butts whooped. And it's what we were telling you. Dale and I were talking on this show. I was talking on this show. I did a whole don't get me started about... How Baker Mayfield said he was not going to pay attention to the media, and all you saw all summer was him paying attention to the media, and here he is getting his butt handed to him. And yeah, sure Odell dropped a couple passes, but there are plenty that he missed on his own. It's just sad. They're jokes, They're, you know. You know the the Browns are jokes, you know. And and and, and not all Cleveland fans deserve to go through that. I mean, yeah, like there's, there's 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 a bunch out there that just like they just do it to themselves, but um, but, you know it, you know it's. There's sometimes, like, I feel like, dang, like, you know, Pittsburgh you know, kind of feels that way about the Pirates. But here's the thing, like, the Pirates, in, in, in people in my father's generation, they knew times when the Pirates were champions and were very good and respectable. For the for Browns fans, there were times that they were, like, semi-competitive, but they've never seen a Super Bowl win and that's, I think that's a big difference. Like like the, the Pirates were good in the 70s. They had moments in the 80s. They 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 had a, they had a quick run in the early 90s and then since then they've been garbage except for the you know the the McCutcheon years when he kind of brought them up. But that ain't like the Browns. They've just been the factory of sadness for so long. So like, I I kind of feel for them at times. And it's just like you, you you see what a joke it is in Baker Mayfield, and 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 then just everything, just everything about this opening day screamed the Browns. You got fake punts that don't work. You got Baker Mayfield who was talking trash all summer, threw one touchdown pass and an interception was just horrible. Um, you, your your two best players, your running backs, you're not you're not making sure that they're controlling the game. You know, it, it's just joke on joke on joke. And then and then they even add to it by. Before the game, because you know, the you know the, the week one, they're doing all the rituals and stuff. They're talking about the anthem, the, the anthem, and whether you're kneeling, whether you're standing. Uh, well, in week one, everyone was supposed to play, or they were gonna play, "Lift Every Voice and Sing," which is the the black national anthem. Um, and then and they were and then they were gonna play the "Star Spangled Banner." Well, the Ravens are out there for uh, the, the 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 "Lift Every Voice and Sing" song, and it's a great song. It's it's a tribute to you know, it was written back in like 1900. Uh, it, it's a tribute to you know black people's journey and how it is it is a different journey in the United States and all. But the Ravens are standing out there, but the Browns didn't go out and then they came out for the Star Spangled Banner. So then everyone, including myself, I'm like that seems like a statement. Like you know like that's that's something kind of hard to miss. And then the Browns afterwards were when people asked them like why did you do that? And Miles Garrett was like well, we 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 didn't know that we didn't know what was going on. And it's like what do you mean you didn't know? I knew what was going on. I knew months ago that was going on. And this is why you're the Browns. You would ask somebody, hey, when are y'all doing that? Because we want to make sure not to miss it because it's probably going to cause a bit of a commotion if we do If we do miss it. And then, like, how, how do you do, how are you this just inept? Gosh, I could have done a whole don't get me started on this. But this whole segment was just about me laughing at just the ineptitude of the Browns. Gosh. But I'm going to take a quick break here. When I come back, you're gonna you're gonna hear me t- preview the game. We're gonna go through it step by step, I'm gonna get my full prediction, and then we'll, be, we'll we'll get you ready for tonight's game. Right after this. We're back here on the DK Steelers podcast, and it's time for our first ever game preview because the Steelers play the Giants tonight, 7 05. You better be there. I, you know, I'll be, you know, Dale and Dayon, they'll be. They're actually in New York, New Jersey, wherever they're staying right now, but they're going to be in MetLife Stadium tonight covering the game. So, Let's get you ready here. Um, you guys know I'm a big X's and O's guy. You guys know that I'm a big matchups guy. I love to break down the game of football. So that's all this segment's gonna be about. It's gonna be me breaking down where the Steelers need to attack, what their what you know what their weaknesses could be. Um, you know, we'll, so and anyway, we'll get into that. So first, let's talk about what the Giants do, can you know can do well, or what you know what the Steelers should be aware of, th- what the Giants can do and what they could bring. So. First, um, I, I think that the obvious thing, and we talked about this before, Saquon Barkley, number one weapon they got. Absolutely, they gotta contain him. Him, him, Dion Lewis, the former Patriot and Pit Panther, by the way, H two P. You know, they're gonna they're, they're the top running backs. I mean, Deion Lewis probably ain't gonna see the field much, except to give Saquon a break. But Saquon usually don't take breaks because that's why he's the he's the primary back. As far as the receiver position, looks like Golden Tate might not be going. Um, you know, we'll see how that's a game-time game decision. Game but Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, you know, those are the guys working with Daniel Jones. Evan Ingram is the tight end, which, you know, he's a good athletic tight end. We'll see how that plays out. Um, but the bottom line here for the for, for the Steelers defense, take away Saquon Barkley. The, and the top matchup, you know, for me there, it's going to be Saquon Barkley versus Devin Bush. It's going to be, you know, can the Steelers get a chance to isolate Devin Bush and make sure that he's the one taking down Barkley. Now, of course, you know there's going to be lots of people tackling Devin, uh, t- tackling Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, you're going to see Cam Hayward busting in there. You're going to see the edge rushers trying to trying to keep him inside when he tries to bounce it outside. But a lot of times, this is what what you, what you want to design. your athletic linebacker, the Ryan Shazier of your team, or the Devin Bush of your team in the, in, in the Steelers sense right now. You want to keep him clean. The objective is to make sure that he's he's fine and he's okay, um, and, uh, and and you do and, and that way he can he can keep an eye on the play. He can follow the guards. He can follow the back, and he can process everything, and then he can get out in front of the play. And shut it down, and be the one that brings down the, the, the ball carry. That that's why Jack Lambert was so great, was because he was always so clean with that with a steel curtain in front of him. They they prevented linemen from getting to that second level, so that he could sit there, process, and then cut off everything he needed to cut off. And uh, that that's what that's what uh, that's that's what great linebackers do. And oftentimes those great linebackers, they got great defensive fronts in front of them. You know, Ray Lewis is a prime example for all the things that Ray Lewis did well. You know, he had Adams, Saragusa. Uh not Sarah yeah, Saragusa. I, I, I almost thought he was an offensive line, but no Saragusa and then um uh you know Haloti Nada You know, there's a lot of guys up front that they de- didn't necessarily always make the plays, they cleared the way for Ray Lewis to be able to see everything in front of him and that he could use his athleticism. Because when you're dealing with a guard coming to you, you're not gonna be as effective as a linebacker. So uh keep Devin Bush clean. And I want to see Devin Bush versus Saquon Barkley. If Devin, if Devin Bush can neutralize Saquon Barkley as a threat, it's going to mean the Steelers that that trade up is going to be another sign. I mean, last year was a very good sign that that trade up was worth it, but it's going to be another sign that that, that Devin Bush is the truth. Um, and it, it would be it would be on prime time, him versus Saquon, shutting down a guy that everyone knows he's a premier talent in the NFL. That's absolutely you know one of my favorite matchups that I'm looking forward to um tonight uh so there's so there's that um looking at uh you know looking at looking at the 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 Steelers pass rush versus the uh Giants offensive line I I just think this could be end up this needs to be a huge advantage for the Steelers you've got rookie left tackle Andrew Thomas um I just I, I see him uh, and he has—he didn't have a rookie camp, didn't have a mini camp. We've talked—we've talked, talked nauseum about this. Rookies are going to be, you know, highlighted. That's someone that you need to take advantage of. I mean, the offensive line is Andrew Thomas at t- left tackle, Will Hernandez at left guard, Nick Gates, et cetera, Kevin Zeitler, who they know because he used to be a Bengal at right guard, and Cameron Fleming at right tackle. On- honestly, I think you know Cameron Fleming versus T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt's going to eat his lunch um and, and i really think that's going to be nasty now andrew thomas this will be a very interesting test for him because he was I, I believe he was yeah he was the first offensive lineman taken off the board this year um and uh you know a lot of people had jedrick wills and a few other guys as the best offensive tackles but andrew thomas being in, the, in that position is going up against bud dupree who was a very explosive player and he challenges young players to get out and move and be comfortable in space and engage out there. So that's going to be a really interesting matchup either way, um, whoever wins it. But this, this to me just screams, you know, just major advantages to what the Steelers do. You got, because you got Hayward and it in the middle. Um, I think, I think that that's a matchup that the Steelers win. Um, I'll say the matchup between Devin Bush and Saquon Barkley, that's a coin toss. Because I I Saquon Barkley is a dude I've watched since his days at Penn State. He's a true athlete. Not that Devin Bush isn't, but this this is one of those this this is one of those tests that I want to see where both of you are in your career and who wins and you know and how many matchups they get. Um, and, and if you want an example of of how that works out sometimes and how a linebacker you know one linebacker is the guy that's usually locked onto a, a running back, go back and watch 2016 against the Cowboys when and, because that was when the Steelers shifted from Lawrence Timmons being that guy to Ryan Shazier because against the Cowboys there were several like second and short or second, or second you know second and long even but there were several key plays where in the hole Lawrence Timmons was that guy who was kept clean and he was supposed to make the play and he was just a, a half a second or a tenth of a second too slow and Ezekiel Elliott would, would burst through and get and get a big play get enough yards and and that was when it was just like okay timmons time might be here now as far as being the the, the ace of the defense and and, T- and lawrence Timmons did a great job for years for the steelers he was a he was a very good first first round pick all you know worth worth all, all, every penny he did a great job um and you know i, I don't think he gets enough credit for, for his time with the team um but uh, but when you look at when you, when Ryan Shazier took over, he he shut those whole those type of holes down. That's what Devin Bush needs to be. He needs to be in the hole taking those things on. So if you need a picture, go back and look at that game. I even wrote a, a thing on the site years ago, back for that, just pointing pointing out how those things lost. Um, okay, so moving on, Evan Ingram finishing out our last offensive thing here. I'm not even gonna mention Daniel Jones because honestly, I, I think the pass rush is gonna is gonna make giving you'll know, give him fits. Um, but you take away his weapons, Daniel Jones isn't going to hurt you. Like he, you, and that—that's why I'm focusing on Barkley and I'm focusing on his offensive line. But his top weapon, in, in my opinion, um, you know, can be Evan Ingram. That this is going to be Terrell Edmonds. This is going to be Devin Bush. This is going to be Mike Fitzpatrick. Maybe even Sean Davis. Uh, this is going to be a lot of those guys. How do they take away Evan Ingram? Do they make him? You know, and, and you know, do they, do they disrupt him? Do they bump him? I want to see how the Steelers play that situation. So. Um, so that you know, I want to see Evan Ingram versus the safeties and linebackers. That's another matchup. Now on the defensive uh, side of the ball for the Giants, offensive side of the ball for the Steelers. Um, looking at the front for uh, you know, for the for the Giants, Dexter Lawrence, defensive end. They've got Leonard Williams, who used to be a high pick for the for the Jets. You know, those are two big names. They got to be able to contain those guys. This is going to be a serious test for this offensive line, and this could be. And I think this is the biggest weakness the Steelers have in this matchup because they don't have David DeCastro. They've been saying that the injury light for quite some time, but now he's out and we still haven't seen him practice that much. So what does that say about what you've been saying? Um, and uh, Dexter Lawrence is a bad dude. Leonard Williams is a bad dude. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson, eh. But uh, point being, you know, they, this group is going to have their hands full. going to be This is going to be a test for them. Um, and, and not like this is one of the best defensive fronts in the league, but they're going to they're going to need to ha- be on their A game at Filers in a new spot at, le- at left guard. Uh, Wiz Newskis starting at right guard for DiCastro. uh, Bander's getting a start at right tackle um, and Pouncey and Villanueva, your only mainstays and a lot of questions there, a lot of questions. So they need to come up big there. Um, that's not to ignore players like Lorenzo Carter. Um, and Marcus Golden, who will be, be the outside linebackers, watch them. I remember Lorenzo Car- Carter for his uh, Georgia days. He was part of that Georgia team that almost won the national title before uh, Tua Tagovailoa came in and robbed and just robbed him because he was just so good. Um, their inside linebackers, Devontae Downs and Blake Martinez, that's one place where I think the Steelers could really rip these guys apart. The tight ends they have with Eric Ebron and Vance McDonald passing over the middle I think should be very open for them um you know and the sa- we will get into the safeties in a bit but also running the ball if they do beat that defensive front up and they get, the, get they can get alignment to the second level these guys could get eaten up and then you could see james connor having a field day and james connor who mike Thomas confirmed is going to be the primary ball carry call him the bell cow that, that, that that's going to be the guy um and then you look at their secondary and their secondary might be the most susceptible you look at their starting cornerbacks james bradbury and Corey ballantyne That's going to be rough for them because they got to go up against Juju and Deontay. I can see that going very poorly for them. Their safeties are good names. I like Julian Love as a, as a young player. Also, they have Logan Ryan. I'm sorry. They have Logan Ryan that they've added at cornerback position. He'll be out there. He could put up a fight, but you know, ultimately still their numbers aren't there. Um, Jabril Peppers, which we remember he was a former first round pick for the Cleveland Browns. He was sent over this way for Odell Beckham Jr. Um, You know, an athletic type guy. But a guy that you that you can work around, they have worked around. So I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not stressing too much about this defense. The whole thing is, is if the Steelers' offensive line can hold it together and give the the running game a chance and give Ben time, that's where I think the Steelers win this. That win, win this game on offense. You know, it's not going to be about whether or not they can get open because I'm pretty sure they're going to be able to get open. It's not going to be about whether or not. You know their their running backs make people. Miss. I think they're going to make people miss. It's going to be all, can the offensive line keep the Giants in check up front? Because if they do, I think that 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 uh, the Steelers are going to be in for a very good day. Um, I look at all these matchups. I see Deontay Johnson and Juju having a big chance to break out. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that the Steelers fans you got to worry about that defensive front for the Giants and. You know, and keeping Barkley contained. You do though you take care of those two things. I think that this this game is going to be very favorable to the Steelers. Uh, my prediction is on Dale's kickoff uh, story. That's at the top of the steel at the top of the website right now. If you go to it, you'll see I ha- I have them predicted twenty six to nine. I, I originally had twenty six to twelve, but I-, I pulled it back. I just I feel like the defense is ready to dominate. The offense is going to put up points. But you know, you know, be figuring out its rhythm. So that's why I stuck with the twenty six. I just think that that sounded like a good number. So, um, so yeah, there, there you have it. There's my there's my preview. I gave you my top matchups, what to watch, watch what to watch for, and uh, and you know, and, and a prediction. We're gonna take one more break here. When we come back. I'm gonna be talking. Don't get me started because y'all got me started over this doggone weekend, and it's not necessarily about the Steelers. Who's it about? right after this. Steelers podcast I'm Chris Carter and you're listening to don't get me started don't get me started about the people out here trying to make pit fans feel bad about feeling good that's right we're gonna switch it up here normally normally I'm getting started about something in the NFL but no I'm gonna do it y'all know I'm a pit beat writer here now at dkpittsburghsports.com and I covered my first game first of all it was awesome it was uh it was a great first day. Got 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 the feel for it. Uh, thanks to all those who were so very supportive throughout the day, including Dayan, who was helping me with the live file because it was my first ever like football live file. That I was basically just doing uh you know, and I was in the booth by myself. So you know, that was a great experience. I, I had a lot of fun with it, and uh, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, following me doing it because that was uh, that was that was a learning experience, but it was also a great one. Um, anyways, the game itself was a slaughter as it was supposed to be. You know, Austin P. Obviously nowhere near Pitt and talent. They're an FCS program. Um, you know, the score, the final score is fifty-five to nothing. Uh, Pitt scored on all six of their first possessions in the game. Um, it was just a complete and utter embarrassment. Uh, you know, as far as you know, Austin P. Getting out there, but at the same time, Austin P. Knew they were really in the situation. They they you know they got they need they, they took the game to get to put themselves out there. Um, you know. The game itself was fine. You know, the, you know, the pit did everything they were supposed to do. Um, they ended up shortening the second half uh, with 10-minute quarters. And I know I saw a lot of people get really upset about that. You know, I, I was kind of, I, I kind of got it, though. It's like, hey, you know what? You know, the ACC, they know, like, listen, like, we, we don't want anything crazy happening here. This game's already over. We're going to shorten this down a little bit, get these guys out of here, and make everything fine. And, and I understand people that are upset about that. But I, what I don't... What I don't get are the people who are trying to tell Pitt fans to not feel happy because of this win, and for the people out there saying "Who's Austin P?" Ha ha ha! I get it, but here's the thing: Pitt's played a lot of Austin P types over the years, and they've never beaten them like they did this past weekend. Think about it. When you look at over the time, uh, Narduzzi now, now with this with this win, he's now 18 and one against FCS opponents, but Go back and find me all the times they they put up this many points and shut them out. This is the largest margin of victory he's ever had, um, and, and he's had some pretty talented teams. You know that 2016 team that had James Conner, Peterman, Quadri, Henderson, and Avante Maddox, and you know the, you know that that team that beat Clemson. They they had they had the talent there, but against you know smaller teams over the years they struggled, and um. You know, they, they, you know, they were games you know, against, they struggled against, uh, you know, Youngstown State, uh, you know, there, there were teams that they couldn't put away and that didn't happen on Saturday. There was no question. There was no doubt. There was no, there, there, there wasn't a lack of clean football there. You know, you looked at you, you as I was watching the game at one point, I was realizing like, huh, they, they're actually, they're actually like doing a lot of the things that they really need to do. Um, And uh, and and when I say that, I mean schematically. Like they're not, they weren't leaving guys wide open that could have destroyed them. It was no, they were everywhere. They were doing what they what they wanted, doing what they needed, Um, and the penalties were down, which was something I was very concerned about because they haven't played much. You know, they haven't played played at all, but they haven't practiced nearly as much as they normally would have. Um, And uh, in this game, they only had four penalties for thirty yards. That's that's a that's a well oiled. Well coached team right there, and yes, it's Austin P. Yes, they the yes they should have done it, but the thing is, and this is why Pitt fans were happy with the result, is that they were just saying we're happy to finally see them do that to a team. You know, and, you know, I I talked to my old man. You know, we talked we talked after after each football weekend, and we're going over stuff, and he was like that, that remind that reminded him of Pitt's heyday in the seventies when they would beat up on on some small school. In week one that was just what they were used to back then um that, again this is not saying that Pitt is on par with you know like with you know a national championship team or anything like that yet this is just saying right here in this moment pit fans deserve a break because they've been struggling pit fans been hurting and uh, they, you know, they've, they've seen, they've seen this, that this program let them down so many times. Um, and, and Narduzzi even Nard, uh, mentioned it himself after the game, uh, in the post in the post game press conference, he was like, you know, he's like, I, I'm tired of getting you know, having to hang in there with the Eastern Michigans like they did in the quick and lane bowl. You know, he's, you know, he mentioned, he mentioned that, um, uh, and he said he wanted to make a statement game because he, he knew they hadn't done that. And, and now, I believe they are now five and one in home in, in, in home openers, um, and uh, I, I look at I look at that, and of course last year's uh, loss of the week one well, I believe it was Virginia or Virginia Tech. Um, that's the one that's the one loss he had, but this 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 was a sign that like hey you know what maybe there's enough of a foundation here with Pitt that they could they they, they don't necessarily have to lose these games to tra- to those trap teams um and those are the games that we've been the, that we normally talk about when we talk about pit football is like well they would have been here but they lost to boston college or something small and now they're out um so you know i don't know if that's going to happen with Pitt this year but the point is is that no i haven't heard seen one pit fan say oh yeah we're back to superstardom I've I've not seen one Pitt fan from doing that, but I see all these people saying it's just Austin P. Oh gosh, and Pitt got ended up being ranked twenty fifth. Oh, why do you care about your ranked? You know what? Because because Pitt fans, they're they're it's okay for them to smile through that. It's nothing wrong. Ain't do anything crazy. They're just enjoying a good win over a bad team. I wouldn't even say Austin is a bad team. They're just not a. They're not a Division One team. They're they're not a Division One team. They're not a team that's that that's, that should play Pitt um regularly it's just you know one of those agreements but um you know but but at the same time that doesn't mean that you have to throw away everything that was that was done that was done in this game and just not give anybody credit that's that's that that that, that's not cool you got you got to be able to say like you know what hey i usually bash pit because they don't they they didn't beat the little guys by enough, and now they finally beat the little guys by enough, and now all of a sudden there's a problem. Get the heck out of here, man! Like just get like like just, just like if if you're still if you're mad about that, just just say you just want to be mad, or or you, you're trying to you know incite stuff from Pit. You know if that if that if that's for your angle, that's for your angle. I get you, but let's let's be real. There was nothing wrong with 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 how Pit fans were reacting to the game. They finally they they finally got one. I didn't see anything wrong, really, with the way Narduzzi addressed the situation. It, it was what it was. So, if if Pitt goes on, and they lose a couple games this year, a few games this year, I don't want to see people say, oh, y'all thought y'all was big and bad after Austin Pete No, no one said they were. They just said, hey, we're, we're glad they could finally beat somebody. I and, and I totally get that. I totally get that. So... But y'all got me started. And this has been Don't Get Me Started here on the DK Steelers Podcast. There's football tonight. Y'all get it. Just get ready, man. The Steelers are playing the Giants. I'm so pumped. Let me know if you think that my pick is correct here. I'm going 26-9. Um, you, can, uh, you, can, you can check out all our picks at DKPittsburghSports.com. Um, you can rate this. If you want to help out the show, please rate the show the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. It's, a really, great, it, it, it's really great. It helps us get the word out about what we're doing here. I'm gonna call it a night or a uh, day, I guess, because you're listening to this during the day. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously recording this day before, but I'm gonna call call it a day here. But we'll be back in your ears doing some post game on the DK Steelers podcast tomorrow.